You are listening to the Sojourn Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to view a video version of this message, please visit our website, sojournchurch.org. He is risen. He is risen indeed. It is good to see you. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Um, I um, was talking to some of our staff. We already had one service this morning. But last year, about this time, it was very different. A very different time where I was preaching and I had my wife, uh, Vanessa, uh, Pastor Terry, Susan, Rana, and very little staff, and then nobody. Just a bunch of chairs. And, uh, and uh, we had police circling around the building, tr- making sure that we only had 20 people. Was it 20 people? 20 people in the building. Couldn't have more than that. I mean, they were circling, making sure that churches weren't, weren't um, um, having more than people. So the worship team had to come on and sing songs. Then they had to go and leave. They couldn't just go out and have coffee. They had to leave the premises. And then I came on and preached. And uh, very different. So I am glad to see the people. I am happy to have people in the house of the Lord. It is good to have you guys. Good to see you guys. Because you know how hard it is to preach to chairs? You know, how, you know how hard it is to say, Jesus rose from the dead, 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 dead. It sounded like an empty tomb in here when I was preaching. It sounded like nobody was here. I was like, what in the world? And so I am so glad that you're here today. <laughs> I'm so glad, and I get it, I understand, because, you know, it's one of those things where churches try to do the best thing they can to get, to make Easter huge and make it big. Um, We, um, I I love the skit guys when they say, what's bigger than Jesus being raised from the dead? There's nothing bigger, nothing greater than that. But, you know, churches, we always try to make it big, wanted to make it big. I came from a church, I grew up in a church back in Arkansas where um, we, we, you know, we went from, Damascus Baptist Church, and then we went, I don't know how we went from the Baptist Church to the Assembly of God Church, but we did. I need to talk to Dad about that. I still, I'm confused right now. Anyway, so, anyway, so what we did, we would make it huge, make it big. And so what we would have, we would put on a play. We put on an Easter Passion play, and we'd have, same like, like I asked you guys, we invite everybody, and we put on the play, and I auditioned to be the Centurion Soldier, one of the soldiers, um, you know, I thought, I, you know, I played football, so I thought maybe I, I would be a good soldier. So I, I got the part. Um, I didn't think I would, but I got the part. They go, you'd be a good soldier. So I did. And uh, they go, you got to be mean to Jesus. I was like, how am I going to be mean to Jesus, you know? I'm going to be mean to Jesus. No, you got you to push him around. You got to stomp on him, you know? And so just so happened to be, uh, never get the guy's name who would play Jesus when I was a kid. His name was Mr. Epperson. Mr. Epperson had red hair. And uh, I don't think Jesus had red hair. I'm not against red-headed people, but I don't think Jesus did necessarily have red hair. But they put a wig on him. And I, my deal was I was going to kick Jesus, and I was going to kick him just to put on theatrics, and I missed and kicked the cross and stubbed my toe and fell. And Mr. Epperson's, like, wig almost fell off. And so it was just one of those things. It was just, it was just, it was just hard. And so um, not only that, not only that. So you, you guys, I'm telling you, Sometimes people don't think these things through. So that being said, um, we had a youth pastor who was my youth pastor. He said, I got an idea. He goes, why don't we, when Jesus comes out of the tomb, we'll strap a harness to him 
and we will wind him up so that he can look like he's going up into the heavens. And so I don't know if he got to go ahead, but he must have got to go ahead. And so he goes, not only will we crank him up, but let's get a drill. And we'll get a drill to wind him up. And as soon as he comes out of the tomb, we'll do that. So that's what my youth pastor did. And so Jesus comes out of the tomb. He stands there and he goes, you know, and they're supposed to be like, why are you still gazing? The same one that's going up into the heavens is the same one that's coming, is coming for you. He'll come again. And that's what was supposed to happen. Well, Jesus comes out of the tomb. They put the drill on it. They wind him up. The cable snaps and starts sucking Jesus back into the tomb. He's going back into the tomb, this dress, slinging him back into the tomb. He's standing there with his arms out wide, but he's being sucked right back into the tomb. And we were just, me and my brother were just like, oh, we the soldiers. We can't help you, Jesus. There's nothing we can do. You're on your own, Jesus. He's like, yeah, you saved others. You can't save yourself. You're going to save yourself coming out of the tomb. Anyway, it was just a bad idea. So my, one of my friends sent me some videos of some, he said, do you remember when we used to do this? None of these are ours, but these are some videos of some people who wanted to make it big, wanted to make Easter big, but didn't do a good job. This is one of them right here. Jesus just falling right off the cross. Yeah, one more time. Right off the cross. Mm. I understand trying to make it big, but you gotta, you gotta stay on the cross. You gotta finish the deal, Jesus. Here's, a, here's another one. Here's another one. Um, and, and I, I understand this. A certain element of anxiety. But although we're gonna experience a time. Oh. <laughs> Just nobody secured the tomb. <laughs> nobody, you gotta, you gotta secure the coffin. Actually, that was the nail in the coffin right there that. Probably ought to not do it. Now, this is my favorite one. This is the last one. This is my favorite one. Now, I'm going to narrate this one because this is hilarious. Um, but, but go ahead and show this, this video. He's coming out of the tomb. They thought it would be a good idea to set the tomb on fire. It's on fire. Jesus about to bust out here just a minute. Look at the, the people in the audience are coming out of the audience to put the, look, stomp it out. The Jesus comes out of the tomb. The fire, that's not good. People are coming out of the audience to put the fire out. Jesus, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. The guy never stopped singing. He, look at him, he never stopped singing. All of a sudden, Jesus needs help. Here we go. There it is right there, fire extinguisher. Put the fire out. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't think it through. I mean, it's just like Jesus come out of the tomb and set on fire. I get it, man. I want Jesus to come out of the tomb too, but let's set it on fire. <laughs> but Jesus is walking around, my tomb's on fire. He's just walking around. Hey, I'm alive. I'm alive and my tomb's on fire. If it's okay with you today, I'm gonna stick with the word of God. Is that all right? Can we do that? Can we just stick with what the Word of God says? That's what I'm going to do this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day that we celebrate your resurrection. I'm glad, Lord, that we are here to not only celebrate your resurrection, but really to live every day. It's not one day. It's an everyday occurrence that we celebrate. So I'm asking for right now, I'm asking for your anointing, Lord, to break every yoke. I'm asking for your power, Lord, 
uh, Lord, I, I can't do this by myself. Lord, I need you. But here's what's good about that. You said that you never leave us nor forsake us. So you're here right in this room. And you said where there are two or three gathered, there you are in the midst of us. So we thank you for that. And so we, we bless you, Lord, and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the five postures of, of Easter, of Resurrection Day. Uh, these postures are, have to do with Jesus and what, what he has done. We celebrate, we celebrate his resurrection because we have life. We have it more abundantly. Some of you are here because somebody invited you. This is the first time you've ever seen me or seen this church. It's like, what is this ruckus about? Why are we here? Why are we celebrating? I'm telling you, we wouldn't be here if it, if it had not been for the fact that he rose from the dead. That's why we're here. We're celebrating. Or else, why would you be here? You'd be, you'd be just coming here just to, to listen to a black man talk about something. But it's not true. The truth is, is that he rose from the dead, and we celebrate that. So the postures I'm going to talk about, the first one is, I'm going to tell you this, the first posture is, is that he laid down his life. Jesus laid down his life. Uh, he willingly laid down his life, um, and he, that, is, that is what... Uh, he, he gave his life. The Bible talks about in John 3, 16, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave. He willingly gave his life, gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But as you turn it, so I want you to turn down, turn to uh, John chapter 10, and John chapter 10, and we're going to be reading from verse 15. If you don't have your, your Bibles, we'll have it up on the screen. But John 15, John 10, and then verse 15 says, this is what Jesus said, as the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I also must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life. That's what he said. He goes, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Here's the Bible says that in John 15, 13, it says, greater love had no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So Jesus says right there in the scriptures, he says, I lay my life down. Pilate said to him, Pontius Pilate said to him, he goes, do you not realize that I have the power to give, to take your life, to release you? He goes, you don't have power unless my father gives it to you. I have the power to lay down my life. And so that's the truth. We willingly lay down your life. I remember uh, when I was uh, getting married and um, Vanessa was one of the things she asked me, she said, would you? She goes, I'm telling you, if there was danger in the house. She's, I mean, I went to an interview with Vanessa before we got married. She, I mean, I went through this big old interview. She was like, what about our kids? I'm like, what about them? Because to be honest with you guys, some of you guys don't know this, but the doctor told me that I wasn't going to have, that I couldn't have kids. Said, said, he's just like, you're never going to have kids. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll, he told me that at a young age. So you never have kids. And then, um, you know, Vanessa's like, well, the Lord told me I was going to have four. I'm like, who, who with? You know, who you going <laughs> to, I mean, are you married? I don't know. What, how are you going to have kids? I can't have kids. And she goes, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And so, um, so she said, so well, she did this deal. She goes, would you lay your life down for your kids? I'm like, I, I, I think I would. I'd like to say that I would. Would you do whatever it took? I'm telling you, you, some of you say, I would absolutely give my life. That's for my kids. But some of y'all I don't know. <laughs> right? I'm looking at some of you. 
I don't know some of you. So if it came down for me laying my life down for you, I'd be like, hey, somebody help him. <laughs> somebody get in there and mix it up, try to help him. But the truth is, is the Bible says this. This is what's true about God. He said, while we were yet sinners, while we were hostile toward God, some of you are just like, I wasn't hostile toward God. I'm going to tell you what, we were all born in sin. The Bible said that there's not one righteous, not one, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one. And so we were all born in sin. All of us were hostile toward God. We were all enemies of God. And while we were enemies of God, while we were hostile toward him, while we were shaking our fists toward him, he died for us. He laid down his life for us. That's the love of a savior that would do something like that, lay his life down. He said lay his life down for his friends, but he lays life down for those of us who were hostile toward him. It's like, well, I wasn't there. I'm not, I'm not there. Yeah, you were, because the Bible says that we've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within us. Those that know him, we were there. We were there. And I'm telling you, it's, a, it's the truth. He laid down his life for his friend. That's the first posture. He laid down his life, and he hung on the cross. He hung his, listen, he hung on that cross. That was a posture that he had, and he, after he gave his life. And listen, all of, the, all of our sin was nailed to the cross. Is that good news for you? Every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that you've done in your past, every sin that, you, that you're in your present and your future sins, all have been nailed to the cross with Christ. And no longer those sins, sometimes it's just like we've already been paid for. All of them have been paid for. Every one of your sins have been paid for, and you stand righteous before God. He hung his head and died. He hung his head so you don't have to in shame. All of your shame was on the cross. He became shame for you. He became a curse. The Bible says that he became a curse. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. He became a curse. He hung his head, and he hung on that cross in the balance. All of our sin, the whole, not just our sin, not just your sin, not just my sin, but the sin of the whole world was nailed to the cross with Christ. And that's good news because it's not, it doesn't just say that, I love this about Jesus, it doesn't just say that, that he, he, um, he takes us our sin and he throws them as far as the east is from the west. When you're talking about the sea of forgetfulness, it's not that he has amnesia. It's not that he has amnesia. He chooses not to remember our sin. Isn't that good news? That is such good news. I'm going to tell you why that's good news. Because some of us are hold on to stuff. You know how we do. We hold on to stuff. It is amazing to me. It is amazing to me that Vanessa and I can get in an argument. And, and somebody's just like, y'all argue? Absolutely. We're going to be real as it can be. We could get in an argument. And Vanessa will remember everything that I have said and how I said it, what I had on. Not only what I had on, but where I was standing and the posture that I said it in, where my hands were positioned when I said it, and the sweat that was dripping off my brow while I was saying it. It is amazing to me that she could remember everything about everything that I have said. You said you were standing right there. You had on those ugly shorts that I don't like. And then not only that, did you have those ugly shorts on that I don't like? You hit your hand like this, and then you put your hand hand on your hip, and then you started, had the audacity to shake your head at me while you were talking like you had something to prove. I'm telling you, you're wrong. <laughs> and I am. I just take my hand. Talking about hanging your head. I hang my head and just going on. Kids being there like, Dad, you all right? <laughs> no. 
But aren't you glad that he chooses not to remember your sin? Aren't you glad about that, that he nailed it to the cross? He doesn't remember it anymore. Your past has been, that you've been dragging around. He just said, hey, God, this is my past. He goes, cut it off. I don't know what that is. I don't know what you're talking about. But, but you remember the one time that I, that I did this? And I didn't, I do not remember. I choose not to remember your sin anymore because I've been nailed to the cross of my son. That is good news. You know what? Some of you are funny because you'll try to bring it up and be like, you remember that one time? He's like, I don't, I don't remember. I, y'all pray for me. I want Vanessa to be that way. And the truth is, is that God, all of your punishments, somebody said this to me the other day, God's just punishing me. Well, I thought and I read where all of the punishment, all of the wrath was taken out on his son, Jesus. So why would he be punishing you? I don't know. I don't, I just don't, I mean, I, I, I don't see that. Where he's like, well, he's just punishing me because, no, I did see a saying one time that life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. <laughs> Here's what I mean. If you make bad decisions, the wages of sin is, yeah. it is. There's consequences to sin. It's true. So the truth is, is that you're just like, you're going to walk through life? Now, listen, I'm not saying so, so, please, if you came to this church and you wanted me to say that, li listen, if you come to Jesus, all of your problems will dissolve and everything will be free. You will skip through the tulips and you will not be harmed or hurt. And all of a sudden, you'll be like, you'll be like Bambi. Ever watch the Disney Channel and Bambi and, and all of the, the friends? And you all, listen, this is not that church. Because there's problems in the world. It's a dark world. Sin entered the world. And there's things that are going on in our society. There's racism. There's all kind of stuff. I had to wear a mask. And there's all kind of things that are going on. But the truth is that in the midst of this dark world, because God raised his son from the dead, there is hope beyond hope beyond hope that we can stand in the midst of the storm and do what God has called us to do and be a light in the midst of the darkness. Come on, somebody. I know that my Redeemer lives, and he reigns on high, and he does what he says he's going to do, and in the middle of it, he's choosing to arise in his body during this hour right now. You hear what I'm telling you? So he hung. He hung on the cross. Another posture, but here's the truth. He rose from the dead. I'm going to put it in ghetto terms for you. He got up. <laughs> he got up on up out of that grave. He got up. He got up. He got up. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 28 says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began at to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the mother and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. You know, when you rolled something away and sat on it, you waited for somebody, amen? He waited, sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, not because of fire, but before fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He's no longer here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. 
So they ran quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciple word. And what I love about this, if you keep reading, it said that Jesus already met him. I love it. Jesus wanted to jump the gun. He goes, y'all go tell the disciples, never mind, I'm going to go with you. And he goes, and he goes, rejoice. And he, and he meets him. He rose from the dead. That's the posture. He got up out of the tomb. That's good news. I remember growing up, I had a, I had a, we had a neighbor down the street. His name was Cornelius. He was a little bitty guy, little bitty guy. And, um, and I was sitting on the porch, and Cornelius had gotten into a scuffle with one of the bullies in our neighborhood. It wasn't me. I know y'all were thinking, were you the bully? I was not this time. But, um, but yeah, this time. Uh, I, but the Cornelius uh, was a little guy. And my, my brother were watching this scuffle, and uh, the bully had him, had him pinned down. And I go, I'm going to go help him. And so I go to help him, and my brother stopped me. He says, stop. I go, why? He goes, he'll be all right. He goes, just let him, let him go. I go, I go, Tony, we need to go help him. This is my brother's name, Tony. I go, we need to go help him. He goes, just hang on. He goes, watch, he'll be all right. And so Cornelius was pinned down. And, but all, of, all the while, all I could hear Cornelius say was, you better not let me get up. Don't let me get up. He goes, I got you down here, and I'm telling you what, you not, you not, I'm, he goes, you better not let me get up. Cornelius like, you better not let me get up. He goes, why? He goes, if you let me get up, he goes, I'm going to get you. And so, so I looked at my brother. My brother looked at me. I was like, man, it's getting good now. Because then all of a sudden, the bully goes, all right, Cornelius, let's call a truce. He goes, mm-mm, there's no truce. He goes, there's no truce. I, I, when I get up, when you let me up, he goes, it may not be today, may not be tomorrow, but I'm going to get you when, I, when you let me up. He goes, no, Cornelius, let's call it a truce. He goes, no, there's no truce. He goes, you let me up out of this hold, I'm going to get you. And so I was like, mm, pop some popcorn. It's going to be good right now. This is going to be good. So I sat down. I sat down on the porch, and all of a sudden, he goes, I'm serious. And I'm telling you what. I'm telling you, this is the truth about what's going on in society. There is no truce with the enemy. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not only but for to kill, steal, and to destroy. Say what he comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. And see, we've been like, okay, enemy, let's call it a truce in society, in the political world, and all things is going on. There's no truce. I don't want, I don't want to call a truce with the devil. I want everything that he's stolen from me. I want time back. I want family members back. I want money that he's stolen. All the things that he's stolen from me, I want it back. I want, I want Carrollton back. I want Plano. I want, I want Farmer's Branch. I want, I want, I want Frisco. I want uh, Allen. I want all, I want it back. And there's no truce. There's no playing with the devil because he's serious about stealing from you and taking from you. So I want it back. I feel like Cornelius. And so he goes, I'm going to get, and man, I'm telling you what, he let Cornelius up. And I saw Cornelius hit him and with his left and then right. And boy, he clawed, clawed all up and down him. And by the time it was over, the bully had jumped on his bike and ran all the way home. I'm telling you what, there is a, there's an evil one in the world, and he's only a bully because the Bible says that he's walking around like like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. But I tell you what, there is another lion called the lion of the tribe of Judah who has won the victory and he stands in victory forevermore. And we stand in victory because he won it all. So Satan is defeated. Jesus said, I'm coming for them keys. What keys? the keys of death, hell, and the grave. 
He's coming for him. He, he got those keys, and he has victor he's victorious. And you see, it's the truth. He got up out of that tomb. He got up. Here's, a, here's the other one. The Bible says this. Not only did he get up, but then he sat down at the right hand of the There's another posture. He sat down. Do you know that when you sit down after a long, you all know how it is, after a long, hard day of work, when you get home, what do you do? You get, you get somewhere and you sit down. I love it when I come home and Vanessa has cooked a hot piping meal and the aroma of it gets me before I walk into the house. And it, I'm telling you, just like a cartoon where the smell, the, the aroma, the smoke grabs me by the nose and brings me into the kitchen and it brings me in there. And I'm a big boy, so you understand that that aroma is good. And she has cooked something amazing and I smell it and it's brought me in. And you know what? When I'm sitting there looking at that meal, and I look at Vanessa, I go, honey, you outdid yourself. You outdid yourself. You put your toes in this food. It is so good. It is so amazing. For you white people are like, that is disgusting. I don't understand what he's talking about. Why would you say that? That is, you don't nobody put toes in food. That's not what we do. Black people put toes in food. The seasoning of them toes. That's what my grandma, when she'd make a pot of greens, and she said, boy, I put my foot in that. I was like, Grandma, it tastes like it. Good night. You put your toes in that food. Anyways, here. But I'm telling you, so I know, but when I'm sitting, I, when I just sit standing at the table, I don't just stand there and enjoy that meal. I sit down because after a long, hard day of work and all the whole long, hard day of meeting with people and loving people, I want to sit down and enjoy my meal. I want to tell you what, when the deed was done after it was finished and after he got up out of that tomb, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, and therefore all authority, all power, all dominion, all might, everything belongs to him. So he got somewhere and sat down, but it wasn't just somewhere. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. It was finished. Grandma used to say, she said, boy, get somewhere and sit down. And I had to see her sit down, but I'm telling you what, Jesus sat down, but he's like, it is finished. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. How do you know? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to read it to you. I'm glad you asked. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that which, also, which so easily ensnares us, and let us run, the, the, run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says that he sat down. Ephesians 1, 19 says this, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and the power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I'm telling you what, he sat down at the right hand of the Father and it was done, it was finished, amen? And so that's the truth that he, that he sat down. He said, and not only did he sit down, but he's, he's working and waiting for us to make his enemies, his footstool. Because you know what? And they hit the name of Jesus. 
every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything, yeah, COVID has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Sickness has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Racism has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. All of the stuff that's going on, all this darkness, all this stuff, all the things that's swirling, that's what I'm telling you. Turn off your news and turn on into your word, into the Bible, and see what God is saying about this time. Stop worrying about what's going on in the White House and know what's going on in the big house because God is doing some, some amazing things in our body. I'm excited where God is taking sojourn. I'm excited where God is taking us, and I want to go. I love it when, when Dad would be like, hey, let's go, get in the truck. I didn't care where we were going. I knew that I was with my daddy, and I put my seatbelt on because I knew we were going somewhere good. Usually it was the 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee because he couldn't have them, and we'd sneak out of the house and get them. <laughs> Had a cherry Slurpee. That's what I used to grow up on. I miss them. Matter of fact, I'm going to get one when I leave here. So the truth is, <laughs> that's the posture. He laid down his life, hung on the cross. He rose from the dead. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Here's the fifth one. This has nothing to do with him necessarily, but has to do with us. What is our posture? Our posture is, is that we receive him and we believe that God raised him from the dead. So we have a responsibility to believe that he said that he is who he says he is. And so we receive him. We receive him because he's a good God. He's an amazing God. He's done this for us. All your sin, he forgave you. All of it. Just like sitting in the courtroom and you know you're guilty. You know you're guilty. Jesus walks in and says, I have new evidence. What is that? Exhibit A. I am going to take all of it, all the punishment, all the wrath, all of it. I'm going to take it. He's free to go. I'm telling you what. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. We thank you for the cross. He's good. I was witnessing to someone this week, telling them about Jesus, and I was talking to them about it. They go, is that real for you? I said, yes, it is real for me because I, I got saved at eight years old, on the Thursday night after the Cosby show, everybody, I know you heard that story, 7 o'clock after the Cosby show, you know, and I sat down, my mother, I've been going to church all my life, up until 8 years old. That's a long time. Um, my parents were pastors, but I didn't know the God that my dad was preaching about. Sitting in church, I just said, I got to give my life to the Lord. I'm telling you, at 8 years old, God changed me. Something came in and came over me. At 8 years old, I'm telling you, I did. I knew it. I knew it. And some of you are here today, maybe here today, you were invited by somebody and you have no idea why you're here. You're like, I'll go. But I'm telling you what, the Spirit of God is in this room right now. He's wooing you because the Bible says that if I be lifted up, that he would draw all men unto him. And I'm telling you what, I, I can feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit, that you need to know him. Maybe you're watching online right now, you're scrolling, you were scrolling on Facebook or YouTube, and you're like, who's that guy talking about? Uh, I'm telling you, I'm talking, it's not what I'm talking about, it's a who. His name is Jesus, and you can know him today because we're getting ready to take communion. And to be able to take communion, you need to know him. You need to give your, be able to give your life to Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want to take communion with my family. I love the fact that you're here. If you're here for the first time, we are glad that you're here. This is what we're about. This is what we do. We love Jesus, 
uh, we're, we're, we go out and be the church to the unchurched because that's what God's called us to do. We love everybody. We love diversity. I don't care what everybody else is saying. I don't care what society is saying. Everybody else is talking about, are you going to be on this side? Are you going to be on that side? I, I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on what God is saying. That's what this church is about. We love people. We love God and we love people and we love what God is doing. But do you know what's going on out there? Have you seen what's going on out there? Ah, yes, I have seen. It is not time for you to be afraid, be very afraid. It is not time for that. I'll tell you what it is time for. It's time for the body of Christ to arise, shine, for your light has come, to be a light to the world, and to see God do great and mighty things. I'm telling you, it's a great time to be the church. Do you know that? It's an amazing time for us to be the church because the greater the darkness is, the greater the light that shines in that darkness. Thank you for listening to the Sojourn Church podcast. For more messages or content similar to this, please visit our website. If you would like to support our ministry, please visit the first link in the show description or visit sojournchurch.org give.